Welcome to the Everyday Lions podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lyons. This week is an extra episode and it is with Leon Saltmarsh. Leon is from Bernie and he has been running for a number of years. Leon right now has a really young stable of runners and uh, it's as many as 20 runners in the summer. I'm a big fan of Leon and what he's doing with these juniors. He encourages them to play other sports and just not the running. Uh, If you enjoy this podcast, please reach out to Leon. He was quite a successful runner himself in the day with some impressive personal bests and also a winner of the Stoll 2 Mile in 1984. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I have been Brian Lyons. This is the Everyday Lyons podcast and happy running. Here's Leon. Welcome to the Everyday Lions podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lyons. Uh, welcome to the live version of the podcast tonight. Tonight's guest is Leon Saltmarsh. Leon has been in the local running community for many years. He has an impressive amount of achievements that he has done over his running career. Uh, right now, he's a coach and he's got uh, some really impressive young runners on the coast coming up. And I love the fact that he just doesn't tell his athletes just to run. It's all about doing other sports and then choosing running if that happens to be the thing that you'd like to do. Are you there, Leon? Yeah, mate, I'm here, Brian. That's good. How has your day been, mate? Yeah, it's been good, cover. I've had a, um, yeah, quite a relaxing day, mate. Doing a bit of work around the house. We've got a... We've got a house here in Burnie, an older house where um, my wife and I were doing up. So it's a uh, long-term project cover. Great, great. And did you go for a run today? Is that something you still like to do? Yeah, I do, but not as much now, mate. I try, I try and get probably three runs in a week, Brian. But look, I don't do much over five k now, mate. It's just for a bit of um, just for a bit of general fitness, and um, yeah, that's all. But like I said, and Sunday, yeah, I normally do just early, early Sunday morning. Do it sort of basically go from home here, head out along the um, the um, park run course. Right, and where you live is that hilly? Are you due? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, we're sort of, you know, we sort of basically where we are. We look down over West Park. So, and as you know, mate, in Burnie, there's everywhere you go, there's a hill. So you either got to go down and you got to come back up again. So I basically, yeah, basically run down through the park and along along the uh, park run course, and then back up through the park and home. Yeah, great, great. No, there's nothing wrong with hills, is there? Exactly. No, mate, they're good. They're, yeah. there's, uh, they're good. Good strength builder. So, how did you get into the running? Oh, gee, mate, it's a, <laughs> oh, it was a long time ago, mate. It was, I, I basically started, mate, well, like, like a lot of kids, a lot of athletes, it was basically started from school with me, Brian. I, I, um, yeah, just basic, you know, the school carnivals. And then I, um, I had a, a um, friend of the family who was involved in pro running, run the carnivals for years. And he, um, he, had a, like, he was with a big group here in Burnie at the time. And I was, like I said, I was 12. And he um, basically recommended to my parents. They said, oh, you should get this 
young kid, um, maybe um, get him a coach. And they very young, so 12. And so that's basically how it started, mate. It was with, it was with John McLaren um, yeah. here in Burnie. So every Sunday, like especially over the summer months, and I lived up in Yorra as a, as a young fellow growing up, our family. So every Sunday from, you know, basically once the summer, the track season started, my um, dad had take me into, we were trained out of Parkins High School here in Burnie every Sunday for just the, um, yeah, you know, from the, the uh, September through to March. And then that's basically how it started, mate, my um, love of athletics. Great. And would you call yourself a natural runner? You were just someone that was quite good, quite obviously, if you were told that you should probably get a coach as a junior? Yeah, look, yeah, look, I, I wouldn't say I... I, look, I was, I was okay in athletics. I enjoyed that. Naturally, I, I, it didn't take me long to realise that endurance, you know, I had the endurance. So the, the middle distance was always going to be my go. And it's funny, mate, the, the fellow that got me involved in athletics, I always used to go and watch him at the um, New Year's Day Carnival as a, as a young kid. And I just, and that was back in the days, mate, when it was, New Year's Day was a massive day. It was just big. And I'm talking ten or 12,000 people. And I, I always used to go and watch this particular fellow run because he was a sprinter. And my dream, mate, was to, um, to run in the Bernie Gift. That, that was my wow, ultimate okay. dream. I wanted to be like him. And, of course, mate, I didn't. Um, like I, I, my speed was pretty good, but it certainly was, it wasn't going to be enough to win me a Bernie Gift. So I had, you know, I, I, endurance was my go. So the, the middle distance was what I, was basically what I targeted. Yeah, great. And so you said, like, you probably worked out early that, speed wasn't your goer so did you did you progress or did you progress from 1500 and then work yourself up to 5k to 10k to so on is that is that how your running yes, career progressed i did mate my look and i'm not trying to push the coach's wheelbarrow here but i, I was very lucky mate that i had i had a coach at a young age and i i was like i said very lucky he guided me in a he just guided me all the way from a yeah like i said mate i did and I was, like I started off, like I said, just running the school carnivals. Then it naturally, you know, you go, okay, school, as you know, you go on to inner high. And then, I, and I didn't do little athletics as a kid growing up, Brian. My running was at school and I used to go to my coach and then it'd be, into, you know, inner high. And then I basically did a lot of training, you know, basically by myself over the winter months with my coaches, you know, set me a little bit of a program. And, but I certainly didn't, and what I see a lot today is a lot of a lot of young kids, and you probably see it yourself, mate. A lot of young kids do a lot of racing at a, at a you know, they even they yeah. start with little athletics, and they you know they're racing every weekend, and then then they well some little athletes, they then some go on and run carnivals. But and you see it as much as me, mate. I see a lot yeah. of kids start, and it's, it's a real concern. They they have they do little laughs, and then by the time they get a lot of them get the fifteen or sixteen, Brian, they're we just we lose them that we just yeah. so we get a lot that I've just lost to the sport you know? um I don't know whether it's the fact they're just they're burnt out or they've had enough but it's just a I real think, concern to try and keep them interested yeah and I think that's a gap that Athletics Australia has to try and try and cross and it's that that age too where they probably start to find a few parties and a and women and and or, or men you know what I mean? and, and it's, it's a really hard and it is it's hard to cross that gap from a junior to senior and i think that is the biggest gap I, I don't know about you but i know when i was running like you were sort of in that middle land and you, you didn't know 
or it felt like a long way to cross before you could actually achieve in seniors as well? Exactly. Yeah, no, you're right, Brian. You, you, you're sort of right on the money. It's, um, you look at it's a concern and look at, and I, I just, as a coach, I like my goal is to, it's should always be about the long-term development of the young kid. And I look at some, I've got in my group, Brian, I've got young kids that do, I've got some that do little ads. I've got some that haven't. Now I'm yeah. not sure. I, I just don't think that, you know, it's, you could, who could say, well, if they run a little ads, they're going to go on, keep going. And if, if they don't, some do, some don't, but, it's just sort of trying to keep the kids interested and motivated, but not not doing too much. So, like my goal, goal as a coach should always be. Like I've got a lot of kids now in the range of say Brian from you know the twelve to well my oldest athletic coach is coming on to nearly 17, 18. So, and I'd like to I'd like to think some of them younger kids will you know get to the 18, 19, 20, and they've still got an interest in athletics and they still they still kick on rather than getting to 15 and 16 and say, hey, I've, I've had enough of this, I'm over it. And just, you just lose, you can lose a lot of them to the sport. Yeah, exactly. And we, I mean, I know personally how good the sport of running has been to me and, and hopefully you can teach that to them and, and say, look, you know, there's more to life. You don't have to, you know, you can keep on running. It doesn't have to stop here. You can, even if it's park run on some level as well. Exactly, mate. You can. And it's, that's exactly right, mate. And that's where the park runs have been good. They get yeah. you know, kids, and I've picked up a couple of older, well, I say older, mate, <laughs> 2021 20, young kids down at the park run having a run, and just by going up and asking them, hey, come up and would you interested to come up and have a run? And some have, some have kept going. So, yeah. 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 Great. And, and we'll touch a little bit more uh, down the future on what you're doing now with your coaching. Yeah. But, when you were training, you mentioned that you trained by yourself, but did you train with other people as well? Who was in your era yeah. when you were training? I did, Brian. I had, yeah, look, like I had the coach in Bernie and, mate, he had a, back then we had, a, there was a lot of coaches around going around then and massive, big, well, call them stables. We had, in our group, mate, just here in Bernie, there was, there'd be nothing for you to rock up a training of a Sunday morning and there'd be, Oh, 15 to 20 athletes there, Brian. And they were a mixture of, well, in the group I was in, mate, there was out of the, say, 20, there was, there was 18 of them were sprinters and there was only myself and I don't know, but Rowan, young Rowan Williams was another athlete going around back then. So he, there was only myself and, and Rowan and the rest were um, sprinters. So our coach, we train on, the sprinters would be down on one ground at Parklands and the old distance runners, mate, as you know, we'd be down on the other one. Going yeah. round and round and doing doing our training <laughs> down there, but it was it was just the, the training was good, but it was the fact that we had it was also getting out and having such a big group of athletes, and it was just it was hard training, mate. But it was just fun. We had a we all we had a bit of fun as well along the way. Like we we didn't take ourselves too seriously, but don't get me wrong, we trained hard, but we also had a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, whether it was um at going you know all going around with the carnivals after, and you know just around each other, supporting each other. And I think that's it's probably the, 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 um, the positive about being in a big group. Like, as you know, mate, like athletics, it's a, it's a um, very, it can be a very lonely sport. It's an individual sport. And having that, being in that group environment, it, it really takes that loneliness out of it a bit. You know, and, on, and you know as well as I do, yeah. that when, you got, when you go out and do your long runs, mate, normally you, you do a lot of them. And a lot of them by yourself. Sometimes you can get in a group, but generally, mate, it's those, it's those long Ks where you spend a lot of time, especially in the off-season, like doing the long runs. And then yeah. 
but yeah, I, I was lucky, mate. Like I said, we had such a, a good group of, um, yeah, a good group of athletes to train with. Yeah, great. And uh, who were some of the names that people might be familiar with in that group? Oh, look, mate, there'd be, we had, well, most familiar, it was Gary Weskin, was a, Gary Weskin, Gary went on, he was a sprinter, won two Bernie Gifts. He then went on and um, he got involved in coaching. He was involved, he had, well, as you know, he had Emma, Emma Marshall, he, he coached Emma to two Bernie Gifts. He had a group, a good group of athletes. He had Sean Turali won a Bernie Gift. There was, we had Mike Geary, Mike won Bernie Gifts. Glenn Howard, um, yeah, look, there was a real, a heap of sprinters, mate. A lot of, like I said, mainly sprinters, they run from, uh, yeah. you know, the gift, the gifts through to the, through to the 400s. And back then, mate, we, we won a lot of races, the, the, the stable over, over um, a fair few years. Like, and going back then, Brian, they used to be, the carnivals used to kick off in early November and they'd be going right through to probably, you know, end of, end of February. There'd be yeah, carnivals wow. on most weekends. And then, of course, after that, you would then, you'd then go on to stall. Yeah, great. And did you want to mention some of the carnivals that, that were happening that aren't happening these days so people would have a good oh, idea? Mate. Yeah. yeah Brian, but I'm, I'm trying to think. Well, I'll just start from yeah. early November. <laughs> we used to always kick off. There used to be a, a, a carnival. Devonport used to have two night carnivals. There was only a small carnival, but they used to have the 800s. That was early in November. You get a couple in. You then, oh, there used to be a carnival at Railton. There used to then be a carnival at Somerset. Wow. You then roll on to there for a while. It was Somerset on the Saturday. You then go to Rosebury on the Sunday. You then go from there, mate, to basically how it is now. You'd have Rosebury. You'd have Latrobe. It used to be over two days. You'd have Devonport over two days. Then you'd come to Burnie. Then after Burnie, Brian, you'd roll into, there used to be, I'm just, I can't think, but I know there was St. Helens a couple of weeks after Burnie. Hobart wasn't going back then, but that, then that come in. Okay. Then, and then in February, which was another big race back at Devonport, they used to have what they call the um, Devonport Thousands. Which was a that was a day and night carnival, and Brian, I just that was just in the mile, mate. And I was just talk miles here, and the, the the big fields we used to get back then, and not only in the miles, in the well, in the middle distance events, the and the sprint races, the Devonport thousands that start in the you know it'd be a day night carnival. So you'd have the mile back then, Brian. We used to have you'd have heats in a final, so you'd have three heats of probably fifteen runners in each heat, and they take the first. Five, you had to get in the first five or six to qualify for the final. And then you'd run a, so you'd run a second mile later on that night. You'd come out, you'd definitely yeah, wow. come back that night. But through the day, Brian, it was, you'd run over there and there'd be a few people around at the carnival. Then they used to have a bit of a break and you'd go out and have an hour off, have your have a bit of tea or go down to the bluff. And then you'd come back in and you'd go back in the sheds and you'd come back, on the, back out on the ground to, to compete again. And mate, the stands were just packed. Yeah, like wow. you couldn't move. There was people, and that was back in February. It was just, I was fortunate enough, mate, to win the the thousands mile there in '82, and it was, it was just, it was just brilliant, mate. You come out, and it was a, a well, as you know, mate, Dev and Devonport back then the ground, not that it isn't now, but it used to be just like a bowling green to run on. It was just brilliant, and they'd run. You had to bank on Brian to to win a well, win any mile back then, whether it was a Bernie mile. You had to bank on being able to run four minutes or better off your mark. 
you yeah. know, the Burnie Mile back then, Brian, you'd, you'd have to run 358s, 359s. That's off your mark to win a Burnie Mile. You know, and if you couldn't run that, well, you probably weren't going to get a look in. In, in 82, 81, I ran second in the Burnie Mile. Dave Heron from Launceston beat me. He yeah. ran 355. I ran second in 357. And so that'll, that'll tell you, you know, they were, yeah, they were wow. and, that's, and, and back then, Brian, that was when they used to even have two miles of Bernie, you'd, you'd have the big novice mile and then you'd sell it back up again and go around again in the, in the big mile. And that was probably 50 runners, Brian, 45, 50 runners used to, in one mile of a, the Tasmania mile back then. So it was yeah, a wow. massive, massive fields. Yeah. And did they, did they actually have heats as well? Were you running when, when they had heats for the yes, mile? they yeah. did. Yeah. yeah, they did, Brian. They used to, there for a while at Burnie, it wasn't always in, but there for two or three years, they had heats in a final at Burnie, yeah. They'd have the heats in the afternoon where I think it was the first six in each each heat went in. And then and, and then the rest who didn't make the final would run in a cons, what they call a consolation mile. Yeah. So you'd have every every mile, or you'd get two runs in for the day, like you'd run in a heat, and if you were, Qualified, you go through to the big Tasmanian. They used to be called the Tasmanian Mile back then. Yeah. The rest had run out of consolation. But prior to that, Brian, I also used to have, and look, we don't have it now, and it's such a shame, but it was what they call a novice mile. You used to have two divisions. And that was for all the, you know, the, like I said, the novice runners who are just coming into the sport who, or who hadn't won a race. And that used, to, that used to be on a New Year's Day, Bertie had a big one. That was, the, um, that was worth $600 back then called the novice mile and that was so they'd have that in the afternoon then they'd have the um yeah the, the big tasmania mile of a night time wow um i just wish that i was about in that in that era mate and it sounds like you would have to be super fit if you're running two miles and you've got a heat and then a final it becomes a whole different game doesn't it it, it does mate you, you're exactly right brian and you and you know as well as i do you've got to it's okay to one run one good mile but you've got to be able to back up and run another one so if yeah. you could, and I was probably similar to you. I, I, two miles was probably, if you said, what was my best distance? Well, early on, I would have said a 1500, but later on, mate, I, I used to love the, t the t two miles as well, because I could, I could back up and run another one as good as the first one, but, and yeah. but some couldn't. So it, it suited me down to the ground, mate, having the, having the heats in the final. Yeah, wow. And what sort of influence did your coach at the time have on your career then, now, and now teaching you the athletes you coach? Oh mate, I just massive, a massive influence, Brian. I was, I, I had two coaches. I had my first coach, John McLaren, for 10, 10 years. So started with him when I was twelve, um, and look, he was massive, mate. Just just the way he guided me, he, and he held me back a bit over. Not, well, hang on, I shouldn't say held me back. Is probably the wrong word. He 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 controlled as the the amount of miles I did and where I did them, like. He hated me back then going on out on the roads too much as a young athlete. He he preferred me to do a lot of my lot of my, my kilometres. You know, and I'm, I'm talking young. You know, I was only you know between the ages of 12 and 15. A lot, a lot of my kilometres was done on you know say on a beach or on a grass surface. He he just kept me off the roads. He'd you know because naturally I was as you know with the track it's about well you've got to have endurance but the big thing is you've got to have also have that good leg speed. So he he kept me off the track a bit. Sorry, kept me off the roads and the hard surfaces. But he, he was just such a, a great influence on me. There was times when I, 
as you know, any young kid, you want to go out and, oh, I should be doing more, think I should be doing more, but he said, hey, we've got to hold it back. And look, but I, I got to, and I don't know if it was good luck or good management, but I didn't actually have any injury that held me up. Probably, mate, until I got to, oh, look, oh, probably 40s. You know, between the ages of 35 and 40, wow. I started getting a few little calves and hammies. But prior to that, mate, I had a really good run. Now, I'm not saying whether it was good luck or good management, but I like to think I was pretty well managed as a young athlete. And then, so I had 10 years with Macca, and then I went on and had the last, another five or six years with another coach who just basically lived down the road from me as I was a kid. And I, um, yeah, so I had another four or five years with him. And he was, he was similar. He was, he was in his, oh, look, he was in his 70s when he, and he was still coaching, but he had been coaching prior to that, but he was also a massive influence on me. Right. And it's such an important point that you touched on being managed well, especially as a junior. And it, can, it really can be the difference between, uh, I think what we even mentioned before is staying in the sport and not staying in the sport and running on lots of different services to build strength with the legs and all those things are so important and having a coach not to say, don't do this because you will get burnt out. You will get injured. Um, yeah, and like you said, I, I just don't think it's luck. I think it's good management that you, the coaches that you had, that the fact you didn't have an injury, mate. So that's awesome. Yeah, there's like I said, but I, I also like to, and I, I would never have had the success that I had, like you know, without, without the guidance of, you know, those two coaches. They, they played a big part, not, a, not only as, a, as an athlete, but also on other skills they teach you in life. You know, it was just a massive influence. I used to, I used to spend time like. Once, once the track season come around, mate, we start in, you know, into September and it was six days a week, you know, and I'm talking once I got the 16, you know, had my license, got my license. We'd, we'd train Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. We'd have Fridays off. That Fridays was our day off. You know, yeah. And that was spent either, I used to always go to the water, get in the water. And then Saturdays we'd either race and Sundays if we weren't racing, it was back to um, training again, you know, either recovery or so, and then you know as well as I do, mate, you've got to, it's, it's a huge commitment, athletics. You've got to, yeah. but if you want to be any good at it, you've got to, you've got to do the work because there's no, in athletics, mate, and as you know, <laughs> there's, no, there's nowhere to hide, mate. It's not like, nah. and don't get me wrong, team sports are good and I'm all for them, but you can, if you're in a team game, if you're not going too good, you're having a bad day, you can, <laughs> you can hide yourself. <laughs> but as yeah, you know, you mate, in a, there's nowhere to hide in athletics. You're in a, you're out oh. there going around a track or you're out there in a 10K run, mate. <laughs> you can't hide anywhere. You've, you've just got to, you know, take it on the chin and yeah. give it your best shot. And it's, and it's such a brutal sport um, because it's time-based as well and performance-based. Yeah. It's like you said, you can't lean on anywhere else. If you have a bad day, it shows by the time anyway. And yeah, it can exactly, be, mate. Yeah. And you've and got you to... Can, sorry, yeah, exactly, you, yeah. That's right. And you've got to be like you said, mate, you have... Yeah, have good and bad days. And athletics is one of those things where you can go out and feel a million bucks and you can, pardon the expression, but you can run like crap. And it's just, yeah. but you've got, to be, you've got to be able to move on from that and move on pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, I think, I, well, I'm not sure about you, but I, but I like that, that individual part of the sport. Like I, yeah. I, I really love the fact that it was so hard and 
usually, you know, nine out of 10 times, if you had a crap run, you've had a crap run. Like you can't really say. Exactly, mate. No, you can't. Much more, if, yeah. You, you, that's right, Brian. Look, it's, and it's funny, I, I have athletes now and, and they, all, they're all go, they all go through it. They have this thing about, they want it every time they, and it's just educating. They, a lot of them have this thing about every time they step foot on a track, they're going to run a PB or if they're not yeah. getting a place, they've had a crap run. And, and I've got a few going through it now. Look, I had a young athlete here ages ago when the Bernie Park comes on. She's a lovely young kid and she had a shopping park run. She, she wanted to, you know, she wanted to try and do a PB and she had a, but just had, she just had one of those days and she was devastated after. And I, I said to her at the end, I said, look, so listen, it's just, it's just one of those, that's running, mate. I said, you can, the day you want to come down here and run well, sometimes it just doesn't happen. And yeah. it's just, it's, it, that's just, a, that's the part of, well, not only athletes, it's a part of any sport. Yeah. There's going to be good days. There's going to be bad, but you've, you've, you've got to learn to handle it and just yeah. work your way through it. And not, like I said, not, not dwell on it for too long. Exactly. And it teaches you so many life lessons. Um, and you touched on your, your group. Did you want to uh, explain the, to the listeners what you have going on now with training and where you're at with that? Yeah, mate. Look, I do. we've got, look, I started back to the Salvi Striders back in 2017. And look, I'd had my, I'd been accredited as a coach, Brian, well before that. I had my accreditation and I, it's funny, I, I hadn't done a lot with it, but I guess I hadn't done anything because I never wanted, I was always wanted to get into coaching, but I never wanted to get into it, Brian, until my basic, you know, my running days were what I called competing days were over. I wanted to get the best out of myself. And then once that was over, it was then it was a time to, I wanted to get into coaching. And so it was back in, it was back in 2017, mate, when I, I kicked off the, the, um, the Soldy Striders. And from day one, Brian, I was, you know, a lot of coaches now, and some just want to, you want to have just runners, just have runners who are going to run. I was, from day one, I just wanted to open it up to anyone from any, any kid from any sport to, I didn't care what sport it was, you were more than welcome to come along and do some, do some running. And I'm, I've also got a, a, an accredited strength and conditioning coach, so I, I've done a bit of that. So I thought I'd, you know, I could work on agility and speed with some of these kids. So yeah, look, that was back in 2017. Um, and then, yeah, it sort of went a bit crazy, mate. I, I got a, one, one young kid will turn up and then all of a sudden it goes from one and, and then they tell someone else. So and then it just gets, well, it doesn't get, it gets, well, it can get it a bit out of control, but it's just a, a great atmosphere we've got, Brian. We, we train out of Helia College. Um, we're so lucky to have that ground up there. Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. And I've got kids, Brian, who, like I said, there's probably half a dozen who are just genuine runners, you know, going, you know, running as they go. But I've also got a heap that mix, we mix other sports and I'm massive on that. So I've got a lot of kids who, well, nearly all sports, mate. They play basketball, touch footy, soccer, hockey, um, netball. So they, they combine other sports, Brian, which I think is a good thing at a young age where they, they, have, a, they have a bit of a mix, a bit of a balance. And, and I don't push them in any way to, to, to get into to do athletics, but sometimes it's just up to the individual what they want to do. So we work on a lot of speed and agility. Um, but then we also, like I said, we do a lot, of the, a lot of the running drills. So a lot of, we work on, you know, the 400s, 200s, and a lot of quicker stuff. Um, but it's most nights, mate, I'm up there, I've probably got, this time of year is probably a bit quieter because a lot of the kids I have are basically 
Well, they run a well, not necessarily school cross country, but tracks the big go for them. So I'll have, I'm still get eight or 10 up there for the night, this, this time of year, mate. And then once we kick in the roll into the uh, track season, little lats kicks off, we probably have anything to, you know, probably 15. Sometimes we get 20 young kids up there, mate. So we, it enables us, mate, to have a bit of fun. We also put on a bit of a, um, a Monday night race. We have a handicap race over yeah, 400. But that's, that's all fun too, Brian. The kids, the kids yeah. there for a while, we had the 400 metre race. And I thought, oh, I might pull a pin on this for a couple of weeks just to give it a bit of a spell. And then all of a sudden, some of the kids were saying, oh, when are we going to have the race? They just loved it. And I, I handicap it, Brian. So you, naturally, you have the, the fastest kids back to back and the slower. But they just, they love it, mate. And look, we give them, sometimes we have, I was lucky enough, one of the parents donated some vouchers. So we'd have a winner and we'd give them a gift voucher. And then, as you know, mate, in handicap running, once you win, you come back. So yeah, it was beautiful. someone else, but it was just... Um, yeah, it was a great idea. And the kids, we trained, Brian, like, sim- and I try and get it similar to how I had it when I was a kid growing up. We trained, we do the work, but the kids, we have some fun. And to see the kids training and hanging, hanging a bit, you know, just hanging a bit of crap on me, as they do, the kids do, but it's all, it's all good fun, mate. To so just to watch that, you've got to have them in- keep them interested and they'll keep coming back. Yeah. But kids, they're a bit different today, mate, than what we were. I reckon, and I look at the training I used to do years ago, not saying it was wrong, it was good, but it's, it's totally changed now to what, to, what, to what I used to do. If, if, I used, if I was giving the kids that I've got now some of the training that I used to do and this lap after lap, they wouldn't come back, mate. It's just, so you've got, yeah. to, you've got to do something that engages them, keep, you know, and they keep coming back. Otherwise, mate, they, they, they won't come back. They just get bored. So you've got to, do you got to sort of do all different things, mix it up a bit. Yeah. Um, you touched on so many important facts in, and you can tell by your face and the way you talk how much you love it and that passion. You can't teach that, mate. And I'm sure that that shines through with the runners that you've got and they would know how much you love it. So congratulations to you, mate. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, no, that, that, that's right. That's okay. But look, you do, you're, t- you're right. You've got to be, and you know yourself, mate, you've got to be, and I don't care what you're coaching, you, you've got to be a, I've had a passion for athletics, mate, ever since I was a kid. Look, I started at 12 and it grew from the carnivals. I just, I just love it. I love the carnivals, a great idea, but, and passion, and you've got to have that passion and you've got to care about the kids as well, you know, how they, and they, they notice that, show an interest in them, what they're doing, not only in their athletics, whether it's another sport, you know, mm-hmm. ask them how they're going or, and it's, I think once you have that connection, I think you're, you're halfway there Yeah. with the young kids. Yeah. And, and I love how you mentioned um, that you take on all runners and the crossover in other sports is so important. It's transversal, like it's so many transferable skills, but you shouldn't have to choose at a young age what sport you do. If you're talented exactly. or you love a sport, who yeah. cares? Do it exactly. until, yeah. And there's so, there seems to be this push that, oh, you have to book a, yeah, you have to choose a sport, one sport, and that's it. And like, I just love that you say, get them all involved, keep on doing it all, and then do it as long as you want. Exactly, mate. That's exactly right, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great. And you talked about how you were certified coach. Did you want to explain that a little bit more? Yeah, mate. Well, I went through, back then, Brian, I got... I'm trying to think where I was, 2010. I did my accreditation through 
what they call Australian Track and Field Coaches Association. Now, they're, they're still going today. They, they run a lot of courses. Well, I did mine. It was over in, it was in a couple of days, level one, then a level two. I got accredited through that. But now, you know, naturally, you still do them through still do them through Australian Track and Field Coaches Association, but you can also do them through um, Athletics Australia, run some really good courses. And, and that, that, that's another thing, Brian, I touch on. And you've got to be gone are the days, mate, where you can, you can rock, you used to be able to rock up at an oval or go somewhere and train someone and coach someone. And as you know, that you, you could do that 20 years ago, but now, mate, you've got to have generally You've got to have well a coaching ticket, and you've also got to have what they call, you know, as you know, public liability. And yeah. <laughs> you know, if you go to a school or go to a, you know, well, I go to the council to book grounds, or the first thing I'll ask you is, you know, have you got public liability? So, with your accreditation comes all that. Plus, it's I'm massive, Brian. On you know, once you have your accreditation, I'm always, and you'd still be doing the same. You're always learning. The coaching yeah. game never. And all it's always changing. You've got to, and I'm always. If, and my wife will tell you this, mate. I just it's, it's hard to switch off from it. I, you know, you coach, and I'm always. And you, a lot of people be the same. You're, yeah. You're on. You're good. You're looking, googling stuff and looking, researching. It just it never ends. And I've at the moment I'm on a really good site. Um, and it's a guy by the name of John O'Sullivan, and he he comes out of the states and he's. He's got. He run. He's the founder of this called a thing called Changing the Game Project, and he does a lot of work well, with young athletes, athlete, yeah, and all, all all athletes, and um, and like I said, he's he had a massive concern when he started this up in the states, where you know seven out of ten kids in the states, once they got the twelve or thirteen, mate, they were gone, they were done and dusted, they'd had enough, they were burnt out. So he he goes around now talking in the states about. You know, what, what can we do to keep kids engaged, to keep them interested in sport for a long time? And, and so I spend a lot of time on his site. He has a lot of courses you can do. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not only talking athletic, it's just basic coaching courses, which, you know, it's just on how, how to um, connect with, you know, the athletes. Um, and it's just a massive, and he has this, He's similar to what you do, mate. Every Sunday, so every Sunday morning, I get up pretty early, and I, after I have my breakfast, I spend an hour every Sunday listening to his podcasts. Yeah. It's every Sunday, and it's a, it's like what you do. He he has different guests on from all sports. Could be a soccer coach, could be a tennis coach, it could be a a um, strength and conditioning coach, a, and he and he, he asks him all these questions for an, all different things, and it's just right. the information that I get out of this. It's just brilliant. It's, so you always, you've got to be sort of one step ahead and always never, you know, you, the day, I reckon the day as a coach or the day as any not a coach, the day you think you know everything, it's probably time to give it away because it doesn't matter how old you are, you're always learning, always be prepared to learn and, you know, never be afraid to ask someone, even in the coaching game, athletics. I'm, if there's something I'm not sure of, I, if I know someone or, I thought they might know a bit more, more than what I do, or I go through um, Glennis Nunn, she's the, you know, an Australian track and field, she's just brilliant, only an email away, just from day one, I've always, there's something I'm not sure of here, I'll shoot her an email, just never, never be afraid to ask someone, if you don't, right. don't go thinking, oh, and I know everything, because you don't, and it's yeah. just, yeah. 
You always oh, got to be prepared to keep learning about what you're doing. Hundred percent. That's an awesome point. Um, I love how you said Google and watch so much and read so much. That's, I mean, especially this year, that's something that I that I've been doing a lot of. But, but it's, I mean, like you said, once you think that you know it all, you're in trouble. And exactly, it's it's like a good doctor or a good physio or someone like that. It's it's continuing learning and 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 becoming yep. better at your craft, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And who are some of your role models that, that you'd say as coaches? Like you mentioned Glennis Nunn. Who else yeah. would you say is someone that you lean on? Yeah, look, Glennis is brilliant, like I said, from day one. Um, I'm also, sometimes I even let, like Gary Weskin, sometimes I'll run something by him. He's very, yeah, always, um, yeah, he's very good with his feedback. Um, yeah, but mainly, I, yeah, I do. I, Dennis Nunn's probably the one I, I use use quite a bit for um, yeah, different ideas and stuff. And they've also got, and no, AI. I get a, um, a coaching journal comes out once every couple of months through Australian Track and Field, and there's some really brilliant articles in that. Great. On, um, that, that that's on athletics, yeah. Yeah, and if you're listening in, the northwest coast and Tasmania is screaming for coaches, so consider doing a coaching course because you won't regret it and you'll learn you'll learn so yeah. much out of it exactly mate yeah, that's exactly right and like you said we need we we need coaches brian we need we need them and not athletics is no different to any other sport all sports are crying out for um you know but all coaches junior young kid young junior coaches or whatever level just just get involved i like i said i i had the when i was a kid growing up my passion was running competing and I I have this I have the same amount of passion now mate for the coaching I I used to knock off work as a kid back then and I couldn't wait to get the training now yeah. I knock off work mate and I can't wait to get the coaching because I just it's just so it, it's so rewarding coaching you have don't get me wrong you have some there are days when you want to scratch your hair <laughs> yeah. it, it can be frustrating but it's I yeah. tell you what the, the good times and the the rewards you get from seeing an athlete improve or yeah, look, no amount of money will, you know, help you out with that. 100% couldn't agree with that. I've said this many times on my own podcast that seeing an athlete achieve, it's it's a different feeling to your own PB, but it's it is, it's, it's amazing. It's, uh, but I like the ones that have done it from really hard backgrounds or... Exactly. Like, it's, it's just amazing. It is. That's right, mate. That's right. And like you said, that... Uh, yeah, the ones that are, have done it pretty tough and probably thought they couldn't do it have gone on and and, and done. That's just yeah, it is. It's, it's a it's a remarkable feeling for the athlete and and for the coach. Yeah, awesome, mate. Now we're going to go back to your athletics career a little bit more. You are you are lucky enough to win stall in. Oh, I'm going to get the date wrong here, but I think is it 1982 or three? Eighty. 85, Brian. 85, yeah. Did you want to yeah. tell the listeners a little bit about this? Yeah, mate. I, I, I was, like I said, I was lucky, lucky enough to, excuse me, to get a win at Stall. But, mate, that's, that's another. I just had a passion to go to Stall. And that's another thing my first coach did. When I was an 18-year-old, mate, and I, well, I was only young, again, just starting out in the pro running scene, he... And my coach used to go to store every year, religiously went to store. I think he had 50 years in a row, never missed. 
Wow. So we, me and another couple of our athletes, we went to store. We took yourself, take you to store, and I'd heard about it. And but mate, and you've been there yourself. I went there in the trying to think. Well, it would have been early, yeah, 1980. I think it would have been. Um, me and there's me and another guy took about two of us up. We had a week up there, Brian, and so we we watched the. We got there on the. I think it was the Monday before the stores. So I basically a week before and watched them prepare the ground. But it was just there was a lot of even a lot of athletes from Melbourne up there then too. So we it was just another world, mate. I we trained in the morning. We'd have an easy run in the afternoon. We trained at the night, and then it was just yeah you know, because you're just relaxing. You're on holidays. It was just such a buzz. But that was the week. But the whole week. But the actual to actually run there, mate. I I just. I can't say how much it meant to me to, to get there and, and how much it changed me as an athlete. And as you know, Brian, I had, you know, stalls over three days. So we, yeah, like I ran in the mile on the first day and I think I ran the two mile on Saturday. And then, you know, Sunday, I think I didn't, it was a day off. And Monday was back for the two mile. But I walked out of there, mate, on the, after three days and... I was just hooked, mate. I, I, yeah. I walked in there and my coach at the time, Brian, he said, and he didn't say anything, he said, listen, young fella, he said, you used to call me young fella. He said, um, I reckon, he didn't say a year, he said, I reckon in years to come, mate, he said, if you can do the work and do a bit of training, you can, you'll probably win a race up here. And I, I never forgot it, Brian. So that was my first year at Stall. And, and, and when I got back home, I said to mum and dad, I said, I'm going to keep going to Stall, mum and dad, until I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to go there every year till I win a race. Yeah. I just, that was, that was my long-term goal, Brian, as, you know, as far as competing in the carnivals here on the coast. I then I was lucky enough to get some good wins down here. So Brian, it took me, I think it was five or six years of continually going up there and naturally, as you know, getting older, getting stronger, doing the work. And as you know, mate, it's, you run here in the carnivals and back, you know, we used to get big fields back here too running, but, once you got the store, mate, you're going around in a mile, and it used to have three or four different divisions back then of a mile, and there was probably 50 runners in a mile. Yeah, so you, wow. Your, your whole racing strategy had to change, and I know the first thing I remember lining up there in a mile on the Saturday, and I was off about, oh, look, it wasn't off the back mark. I was about midfield, but there was a lot of runners out the front, and there's a lot of runners behind me, and they fired the gun, mate, and I was just used to running in a mile down here in Tassie where you could, once you get going, you could go out and around and dart back into the pole line, and... Well, you try and do that at stall, mate, and you're probably running. You're not going to get back in. I remember trying to take off and get a bit of a run, but I was I was probably running four or five wide, mate, not just for 10 metres. I mean, for a whole lap to try wow. and get back in. And so it was just a, it was an eye-opener for me, mate. And you, you think you have a mark and you're going all right, but you look at your mark and there's probably another 10 runners on your mark, mate, who are probably just as good as you, if not better. Yeah. So, you, so that was... That was my first year experience at store, and I, I remember going back there saying, "Gee, I've got a bit of work to do if I want to win a race up here." <laughs> like, yeah. So it took me, Brian, going back. Like I said, two. I had really four or five years in a row where I kept going back, running the miles, running the eights, running the two miles. And back then, bro. So after about the third year, we decided that the two mile was going to be my go. I wanted to target the two mile. So I'd, I'd, I'd already at this at that stage run a few miles and 800s down here. So my mark was getting pretty tight down here. So, but my two mile mark, Ron, as you know, I started to 
it starts to creep out in pro running if you're not winning. So they just yeah. over a period of time, <laughs> and they used to, they used to have back then, Brian. I used to, on the on the Easter Monday once they had the big stall gift. They used to have the like the two mile races used to be on, but there used to be three two mile races in. They used to wow. have a, what they'd call a front markers and middle markers, and then they used to have what they call the back markers. But that was that back markers, Brian, was what they call an invitational race only. So you had to basically, as it says, you, you had to get an invite to run in it. And there was probably only 15, look, there could have been 20 runners in it. So I won it in 85, but so about, in about 1983, I started getting invitations to run in this two mile. And it was massive, mate. There were some classic runners like Woody Viv, you know, the guy, Viv Wood was yeah. a couple of times. Dizzy Lynch, there were some classic runners in it, brilliant. So I kept getting invitations to run in this two mile and it was just like I said, and, and it was called the CSR Energy Two Mile. And back then, Brian, and this is in 85, it was worth, worth $5,000. So that was, that was a, and I think at that time, it was the richest two mile in, in, um, in Australia, like pro running. So yeah, 84, I went there and a few times I ran it. 83, I think I ran oh, 10th, 11th. And then I started, and then in 85, the coach I was with at the time, another coach, the other second coach I had, he, we thought, 84, I went there and ran fourth or fifth. So 85, we thought it's going to be the year. 80, yeah. Right, this, that's, <laughs> that's, so that's what we trained up for, mate. We, I ran here in the coastal carnivals, and, but the back of our mind was the two mile. And then I also, so we did a lot of work and yeah, I was probably, mate, I left as well. I was probably the fittest I'd ever been in 85. I, I won some good races down here. And then we rolled on the stall. So back then in 85, Brian, the carnivals down here had probably finished in about February, end of February. So there was a bit of a gap between the track and going to stall. I think stall that year might have been early April. So we had a bit of a gap. And the issue we used to face sometimes was trying to get the races in, you know, because stall, they still had a lot of races. So we, we, used to, we used to target a few races here. We'd probably go to Hobart or Lonnie if there was a track race on and, just to get so we could get a, a race in every couple of weeks. But prior to going away in 85, the cross country, you know, the cross country club, local cross country club had started up down here. And they, it was three weeks before my run at stall. And my coach at the time, old Jack, he said, mate, he said, you know, and he said, I've been, um, I've been training pretty well. He said, we need a race. We've got to get a race in somewhere before this two miles. So we said, well, I think we'll go out to, go out to Wyvernow and run with the cross country club. And he was, he wasn't real keen on me having to hit out on the road because you know, because of that, you know, the jar. I mean, he said, look, we're going to have to have a hit out somewhere. So I went out to, um, went out and ran the 5K race at Wyvernow. And it was, uh, look, mate, it couldn't have got a better, it was a beautiful morning, Sunday morning. It was just early March and couldn't have got a better day. It was dead yeah. calm. And he just said, listen, mate, and he only gave me one instruction. He said, listen, just have a good hit out. He said, you've just, when you get to the turn, the two and a half K, he said, when you turn to come back, he said, I want you to think, you're in a two-mile stall. He said, you've just got to hammer it home. So, and I was off probably one of the back mark down here and one of the back marks. So, they, you know, off we went and I, I got away pretty quick and I was bloody feeling good. And I, I didn't have a watch on back then, Brian. I never ran with a watch. Yeah, brilliant. So I, Love it. Yeah, I got to the turn, mate, and I knew I was going pretty well and got to the turn and I hammered home. And I think I think I ran in the top four or five and I thought, geez, I wonder what time I ran. My old coach, and my old coach, he was a pretty, <laughs> he wouldn't give much away. And he, I remember crossing the line, I was buggered, mate. I was red. And he said, mate, he said, he said, son, he said, you've just, you've just ran 1450. Yeah. And he said, and then he didn't say much. And he said, mate, he said, I think we're ready for stall. 
Yeah, so that was, yeah. and it was, mate. So then we, that was three weeks out. So then, yeah, I went to school, mate. And, and it's funny, bro, how, how running can change from day to day. I ran, in the, I ran in the mile on the Easter Saturday. And my coach again, he said, listen, you've got to get up in the top five or six. You've got to have a good hit out. But bugger me dead, Brian, I, was, I had one of those days. And I ran in the mile. And I, honestly, I wanted to have a real good hit out. And I, I just couldn't get near him, mate. I finished... Well, where the finish line is a stall, mate. When they, when they went across the line in the mile, I reckon I was back on the bottom bend. That's how far off the pace I was. And I remember thinking I crossed the line and I was, I was shattered, mate. I thought, Jesus. I was just, my confidence was gone. I thought, that was on the Saturday. And I knew the two miles on the Sunday. And my old coach at the time, he said, look, he said, listen, that was a bad run. He said, listen, don't worry about it. He said, we come here to win the two mile. He said, and nothing's yeah. changed. So that was on the Saturday and he said, listen, he said, I don't, on a Sunday, he said, I don't want you to come to the ground. He said, what I want you to do, he said, he said, I want you to head up to the grandparents with a few of your friends, just get up there and get away, get away for the day. So we, I didn't go, I didn't even go near the ground on Sunday, mate. And I, um, so I went up into the grandparents and I was all, as you know, as you can imagine, all, only thing I was thinking of was that bloody two mile, but in the back of my mind also was that, (laughs) in the back of my mind, mate, was that mile around, it was just dreadful. So but my old coach, he was good at the time too. He was one like he'd say, listen, let's just forget about the two mile. Then the mile, he said, that's, that's over. He said, we've yeah. got to focus now. So I didn't go to the ground on the Sunday and I caught up with my coach that, that Sunday night. We went out and had a meal, a few of us. And yeah, went back to the ground on Easter Monday, ready for the, you know, the two mile was ran about. It used to be on before the gift then. It was about 2.15. So got to the ground, mate. And yeah, I was, I was feeling pretty good. And, I just, I totally forgot about Saturday's race. And it probably worked in my favour a bit with the bookies too, because I think a few seen me run and thought, oh, that boy, he can't win the mile. My old coach, mate, he, he got a bit of money on me. He never told me what he got, but he, he got a fair bit of money on me that day. And yeah, look, I ran, and it was just a brilliant day that day too. It was stiff. In fact, it was probably too hot for me, mate. It was about 30 degrees when we ran, but yeah, yeah wow. I, had, I had a real good run, mate. I, was, I started towards the front of the field. My mark was pretty good, and I had a, there's two or three, well, there's a lot of runners back behind backies, and I had a really good race. There probably wasn't a time in it when I, you know, felt I couldn't, I, I thought I'm pretty confident I'm going to get in the top three here. So I, I hung around with the field for the first six or seven laps, and I was never out of the top three, and once we got the bell lap, I was ready to go, mate. So, yeah, I, I went on and, uh, yeah, basically won, won that two mile, and it was just, for me, mate, it was, it was the ultimate for me. I, I just... yeah. It was something I just dreamt of doing for five or six years that had been in the back of my mind. And to finally, to finally win a race there, mate, I was just, I was just so lucky. I thought to, to win it. And not only for me, for, for my, for my family, you know, my parents that had helped me out from the younger days, from all the, all, all my, the crew I'd trained with. And as you, you know, you, you can't do it. I know like I said before, it's an individual sport athletics, but you, you don't do it by yourself, mate, because you're always, yeah, you, know, you either have a coach or you have your, your girlfriend or your wife or yeah, your kids or whatever it is. You always have a, a, a group of people around you who, who no matter what's going on, whether through the good times and the bad, they, they stay with you. Yeah. And it was, to win that race, mate, was, a, was the ultimate for me. So once I got back, and it's funny, even after I won that, I had a bit of a flat spot because it took me a while to, to get back into it again because I thought, bugger it, I've, I've won a store and I couldn't care for that winner. And I couldn't, yeah. stage, I couldn't care if I didn't win another race, mate, because I, I, I'd known of blokes who just go to store year after year after year and all they want to do, mate, is win a race there. 
And yeah, it was just just a great feeling. And, and, I, and I was probably just rewarded for the work I had, I, I'd put in to finally win that race. Yeah, brilliant, mate. There's something very, very special about that town. And if you have never been to Stall, please consider going, like oh, running, spectating. Go. Yeah. It is, mate. It's in your blood. And I, like I said, and as a coach, mate, I'd love to, I'd love to at some stage get a couple of my athletes to, um, oh, well, yeah, just to go up there and, and, and compete. You've competed there. It's a, it's, it's a great yeah. place. Just, and then, like you said, we talk, we talk of athletics as a good sport, but it's, and it's not a good sport. It's the people you meet along the way too. You know, not the, the ones you're competing against. They're, they're, they're friends you have forever. You get, yeah, you get on that is. track, mate, and she's game on. But once you're off the track, it's, you're always... You always, you know, you hang a bit. You always like you got some mates who you've ran with for years ago. Always, you, you never forget them. You never forget those great moments and the times you you raced and stuff. It's just a, it's a great part of your life. Yeah, exactly. And how you mentioned you had a bit of a stinker. I reckon you probably needed that stinker by the sound of it and get that out of your system, um, because. Racing at store, like I said, you, you would have raced plenty of times before actually going yeah. there. But that sticker probably worked in your like it probably worked in your favour, mate. I reckon. Yeah, that's right, mate. I think I think it did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And so you ran stall, and we're up to nineteen eighty five here. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned that you ran. You've won a few other races on the coast. Did you want to mention some of those? Were they before stall or after? Yeah, I did, mate. I, I won earlier on in the career, well, on the track, I'd, I'd won the, well, prior to that, my biggest race was probably first. I, ran, I won to, we used to have, like I said, two, two division, two miles, and obviously there was like division one, division two. So you'd start off in division two, and I won the, here on New Year's Eve in, I think it was 80, 81, I get mixed up, it might have been 1980. I won the, um, what they call the, the novice mile down here at West Park. Um, and that was worth a bit of money back then. It was that was a big field, so I I was lucky enough to win that. It was funny, so I won that on the New Year's Day in Division Two, and then that then elevated me to the top division, Division One. So okay. another few days later, I went. To, we used to have a carnival at Olveston back then, a mile at Olveston. So I went from Division Two winning the Novice Mile to the next week, little week, I cleaned up. <laughs> I won the division. I won the division oh, wow. one mile at Olveston. So I picked up a within that ten days, mate, I, I picked up a bit of cash. So I then, yeah, so that elevated me to, like I said, Division One. Um, and then, yeah, look, I did, I won a few other races, some eights. I won, I then, my next probably big win was the year after I won the Devonport Thousands. I won the mile there at Devonport. Um, and that was, yeah, that was a big mile. That was probably one of my, the big miles I won. I missed, I ran second, I ran second in Bernie prior to that, Brian. I, 82, I ran second. I, I had my heart set on winning the one there, but I got, David Heron from Lottie won it that year. And like I said, he ran, I think he ran 355. I ran 357, but yeah. so I ran second. And that was, I was disappointed with that run. I, you know, but as you, you know, I set myself to win it, but I was lucky enough within a month later, because that was in January, New Year's Day, a month later, I'd come out and won the, um, the thousands at Devonport. Um, I won a couple of two miles at Olveston. I won, I won uh, two, a couple of two miles at St. Helens. Used to have a thousand meter race down there. I think that most of the carnivals, Brian, I picked up something over the years. I won yeah. the oh, sorry, I won the big when I in eighty before in eighty four, at the end of eighty four, Brian, I won the Devonport eight hundred. Um and then so that rolled me into 
Yeah, that was December 84. And then I went to 85 the following year. I went to, I also won a race in Hobart a mile. And then I went on to Stall in 85 and won the, won the two mile. Yeah, well, and these are professional races. Did you do much amateur racing as well or? No, I, it's, yeah. it's, it's a good question, Brian. I, it was about that time, Brian, when I was, you know, look, I, I, can't, I can't remember the year. It was funny back then because the amateurs and the pros weren't allowed to run together. It was, a, yeah. and if you, once you run the carnivals and took money, it was a funny setup. You didn't, you weren't, well, you, you probably couldn't run with the amateurs. But, and I can't think of the year, mate. Then it all finally come together where you could, you, you could run, the amateurs could run, you could go and run an amateur race. But back up here on the coast back then, mate, in the early 80s, it was all, it was all um, like hand, pro, run, look, pro handicap running. It was the, the coastal carnivals, mate, were just massive. They still used to have interclub, the, it used to be called the amateurs. They used to have an interclub and they also had their own cross country. But basically back then, mate, it was, um, yeah, it was the coastal carnivals. But like I said, I used to quite often go to Lonnie and um, run some track races and Hobart. But like I said, back then, mate, once the track season rolled on, you had, you had races every weekend. So you didn't really have to venture far from the coast because it was all happening up here, mate, in between, you know, the, whether it was at Rosemary, the Trove, or there was always a race, a race on that you could, you could go in. So you didn't really have to venture too far to, to get some, um, you know, some really good competition. Yeah. And uh, the more, the more people I, or, or the more runners I speak to in their seventies and eighties, they, they seem to say this, it was all on the Northwest coast. That's, that's where like, if you were a pro runner or you were a runner, it was a great place to be. Oh, Brian, it was just, it was a mate, it was mate. And you, and I mean, like you said, there was some really, there was some really top field, big fields back then and some good fields, you know, and I, just I, and like I said, I was I, we. I, I often joke about another, you know, another guy who went around a similar time to me. I said, "Listen, mate, I reckon we we grew, we grew up in the best time when the when the car was. They were massive, and I not only the competitors, mate, and you said the massive the massive crowds. I I ran in front of West Park when I and if, if anyone asked him what was my best win, like stall money wise was my best, but I always yeah. I, I, I I won that novice mile down here in um, at Burnie on New Year's Day, mate, and that was my first you know, like second division win, but that was, to me, that was my best win, but best, not because of money, but it was my whole family was there that day, mate. And I, I was a local kid in Burnie. I trained locally, my whole family. And that day, mate, it was, there was 10, 11 or 12,000 people at West Park. And I, yeah, wow. I still remember like it was yesterday, winning that division. And it was in the middle of the afternoon. I crossed the line and I had my two brothers. They were in the crowd. They, they, they raced out on the ground and, when my coach was saying, who are they, who are they? Like, yeah. they, were just, they were crazy, mate. But it was just something. And my mum and dad was there to watch the whole family. It was just, it was just something I, I just never forgot. It was just brilliant to be able to, to do it in front of, like I said, your family and, and your whole running stable who was, and, and to be local. Plus, the actual sponsor of the race, Fairfords, that, that was the place I was working at the time. Oh, so they, awesome. it was just, Unreal. I couldn't have worked any better, mate. They always, for years, helped me out with um, my running gear, sponsored me with track suits and clothes. They sponsored the race, and bugger me that I ended up winning. <laughs> it was Great. just, it, it couldn't have worked out any better, mate. Yeah. 
And and like you said, it's uh, I love the iceberg model where you see it, the iceberg at the top, and then no one sees all the shit below. So exactly, mate. all the injuries, all the you know, oh, just just the shit that happens. No, that, that, yeah. that's that, that's right, mate. And I and I touched on it before. And as you know, mate, there's there's um times in your you know any sporting career when you have some pretty ordinary moments. You know, whether it's you're going through a bad patch, you you're injured and 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 I always reckon you you find out your true your true your true friends at that time, you know the ones who who hang tough with you and are always there. And generally, it's your coach, your coach and your mates who are around you. And not only when you're winning, but when you're having a real bad patch, they're there, and they're the ones. And as you know, when you win something or do something, they're the ones you, you never forget. Yeah, it could be your wife, it could be your your mum or dad. Who well for me, it was my my parents who. Um, was just brilliant for me, mate. They, my, my dad used to give up his every Sunday morning in summer. And I was living in Yola, mate. And for me, for a, a country boy coming into the big city of Burnley, that was a big thing yeah. for me. I used to, you know, I'd jump in the car with dad. We'd leave Yola at 9.30. And to me, it was, it was training, but it was also a time I spent with my dad, you know, whether it was heading to training, heading back home. It was, it was just, um, yeah, something you never forget. Yeah. Brilliant, mate. Um... No, that's awesome. I, I, well, personally, I never got a mile win at Devonport, but it was something that I would always want to do. So yeah. I'm very jealous on, uh, in you know, that I didn't do that. But what an awesome memory, mate. So well done. Yeah, it was great, mate. Yeah. Yeah, and what does your life look like when you're not coaching and running, mate? What does what does Leon's life look like? Oh well, mate. I, I, well, last year I'm out at. Um, I'm a spray painter by trade. Um, panel, panel leader by trade, but I'm into spray. I, I worked for a local company. Well, I, I did a lot of time at Cat Underground Mining. Then I went from there out to a place out, of, well, it's a local company, um, Maltec Engineering out of here at Camdale. Well, we, we paint it. You know, look, we, we do a lot of work for, um, it's a lot of um, machining work, but we also, I, we paint a lot of parts for um, Cat Underground Mining in, well, in, here locally in Thailand. We also do a lot of stuff uh, painting for Dale Elmiston, the Elmiston here in Burnie. So that's, that's my day work time, mate. I spend, you know, naturally time with my family. Um, I've got some two elder, two um, elder children who are both grown up, married now. They're in Melbourne. I've got another daughter who's just in year 12 at Hillier College. Um, and yeah, that's in my time, mate. It's a bit like yours. It's pretty well, um, when I'm not home here doing work on the house, it's I like to often, quite often, go and watch a bit of sport when I get the time. It's, you know, a bit of footy. Sometimes I follow the, the basketball, the Thunder. So we get over your way, a bit of Devonport. Um, and then it's just, yeah, doing a bit of work around the house. And then basically, mate, it's, as you know, when I'm, uh, you, you know, you're at the track four nights a week coaching. And then in the summer, that changes again because you, sometimes we throw in a weekend session. And then generally, uh, you know, like summertime again, track season, you have the kids going away, you know, school carnivals, you have them doing all schools, new gen. So it's pretty, that's, and then when I'm not, not doing that, I'm, up at, I'm probably up at Hellier College, mate, going up there marking the track of a, a yeah. weekend. Just, <laughs> so it's just, yeah, it's probably like you, mate. Yeah. You've got to actually find a time to try and to, to switch off from this coaching and have a, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Uh, have a bit of a break. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I just think it's a bit like the running. Um, you become very broad, narrow, focused, don't you? It's uh, oh, you, uh, you, you do, mate. My 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 my, my um, beautiful partner Charlotte, she <laughs> she reckons I've got a problem, mate. She reckons I've got yeah. a problem. I'm just when when the carnivals come around, mate. And we should I should have got on this earlier, but. When I started the Coastal Carnivals, even as a 15-year-old, I just, I actually lived for the carnivals, mate. I, I used to knock off work and I had a coach, like I said, it was, he was, uh, sorry, not a, I had a coach, uh, a boss, who once we, because we used to work sometimes over Christmas and I used to, we used to knock off a couple of days before Christmas and he, he, understood, he knew I was into athletics and plus he was, a, he was into the Coastal Carnival. And he said, son, he said, knock off today. He said, I don't want to see you till after the New Year's Day Carnival. So he'd give me, he gave me the whole week off, you know, and, and I just lived for the carnivals then, mate. I, we'd knock off work before Christmas. We'd, you'd have naturally Christmas, and then you'd roll into La Trobe. It was Devonport. It was Burnie. It was just, it was 10 days, mate, of, for me, yeah. <laughs> what I'd call the time of my life. I just yeah. love, and you know what it's like. You, oh, it's all awesome. you do, it's just, your mind's just on competing. You, you go to La Trobe, you're running all your mates out, you race. You get the Devonport and another good night, but it just it flows on, mate. It's it's and it's that's what I'm trying to. I'd love to see it happen again with the kids to get to get that excited about the carnivals. Like, but it just concerns me a bit, mate. Like touching on carnivals, yeah, where they're heading and how. I just I'd love to see them. Naturally, we're not going to get the people go to the crowds we used to, but just to try and we just need we need people getting back into them again, young athletes, you know, sprinting middle distance. We just, we can't seem to, we have issues attracting them and keeping, we get a lot who start, Brian, and you would have seen it, but they don't, next year they don't come back. And it's just that yeah. we've, we've got to try and find ways to keep them coming back. And not, and not only, a lot of, back years ago too, we used to have a lot of athletes who, they did two sports, or they played footy over winter, but then they'd run the carnivals over summer. And, and a lot of probably basketballs, you know, they'd, so they'd mix it up. The running would help their fitness for their footy, but we just can't seem to attract that now. It's just hard to get them to, and to get the younger, to keep the young kids engaged, to keep them, to get them coming through the system. It's just a really, it's just, you know, like I said, becoming a bit of a nightmare to try and, yeah. what do we do? What can we do to get them? They've started the, um, They've started the new gen series now at the carnivals, and that's a brilliant idea for the young kids. Really brilliant. They, you know, they run under a handicap system, and and naturally the idea is that is to get them to run that series and then flow on into the into the open, you know, the carnivals. But yeah, it's just yeah. a good idea. I I hope we can like to see we can get just more athletes interested. And um, if you're listening into this to this podcast today. And you do run and you play some different sports. Don't be put off by the word professional. It's not professional. It's exactly, mate. It's. I think that's the biggest hurdle. Um, and people are so busy with their lives now, with working, and you now they've got so much going yeah. on. But if we can, you and I know how good it is. We yeah, know exactly. how good this package is. We're just yeah. going to sell it more. And if you are listening, go along. Like it's and it's not that expensive, really. It's not, mate. It's not and. Like, like, and what, what you're doing, Brian, and what I'm doing, I, and I, I have my Saudi Strider site, and you have your site. I, I, and I get on there quite a bit and put a bit of stuff up. And I, but and sometimes I think, well, I'm going a bit over the top here, putting too much up. But I just, 
I just look at it. We've got to promote our sport, and you do it well, mate. We've got to we've got to do this and get on there. And you know, if you have an athlete or you have something, don't be frightened to put something up and say how they go or what they're doing, and try and, right. as you know, we've got to do more to. You know, every other sport promotes themselves. So we've, as whether we're coaches, we've got to get out there and promote this sport of ours. Whether it's like you said, it doesn't matter if you play basketball or footy. Come and do a bit of running. Come and mix. You can you can still combine two sports. You can. You know, and if you want to do a bit of, you know, we've got the park runs or we've got cross country, if you want to do a bit of that. And it's like you said, it's not the word professional, I think, puts a lot of people off. It's not, we're just normal people. We're not professional. We we just run and we, every, any, every club's the same and every coach is similar to me. I, we, we welcome anyone to come and, and I welcome anyone to come up and have a run, have a go. And yeah, just, just give it a go. You'll, you know, we've got to sort of, I guess, do more of that to promote yeah. our sport. And and how many sports can you actually run on the field with an Olympian too? Like, I mean, there's not many that you can run against a Stuart McSwain or, oh, or, 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 or a Ryan Gregson. And, it, yeah, and just being in that field with those guys is it's next oh, level. It is, it is, Brian. And, and like you said, we're lucky here. How lucky are we where you can go to either the Devonport Carnival whatever and, and see these athletes I, I remember years ago mate. I was in a mile in Devonport and it was when Craig Mottram first came on the scene he was only a young scrawny tall young kid and he, he well you know how good he was mate he ran off scratch and I remember running in a mile at Devonport one night and I think it was his first year down here and and you know everyone had heard Mottram was just coming on the scene and we knew as you know like you as much as I do you, you know how well he was going and I think he like he ran four minutes and I remember being in the mile the first time he came down here at Devonport. It was an all up field at the bell. And it was, as you know, the Devonport mile gets a pretty big field. And I remember getting the bell lap, and it was a field of about six or eight. And I could hear the commentator calling, and Mottram's about to <laughs> let loose. And holy <laughs> hell, the bell went, mate. And there was four or five runners, and I was amongst them. I thought I got a chance of winning this, but Mottram just come from out of the sky. And he basically, he didn't go around the field. He basically decided he was going to run straight through the middle of it. And yeah, yeah, you know what he was like with his arms and legs going everywhere, but it was just something to see. And he, you know, to see the blokes and Mc, like you said, McSwain, I, I seen Kathy Freeman win a Devonport gift just to, 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 to be able to be there and say, look, I'm in the same race as these, these guys. It's just, it's just something that's brilliant. And like you said, they're just, they're normal people, mate. I, I met Steve Monaghetti many years ago and he was just, one of the most down to earth people you'd ever see. Prior to that, you see him on TV and you heard how good he was. But and Kathy Freeman was the same, mate. I remember the first year she came to Devonport and she won she ended up winning the Devonport gift. She was off scratch. She went in a heat and then she just released a book. And I'd had this, I got got this book. And after she ran in the heat, she had the final coming up in about half an hour. So she she then went and sat near the grandstand and said they were, you know, gonna sign all the books. So all these kids went down there and I was one of the big kids, mate. I had this book and I wasn't leaving that line, mate, till she signed yeah, it. Yeah, beautiful. And I've still got the book at home, mate. She signed Kathy Freeman and and then she came out, mate, like I said, after sitting there for I don't know how long, an hour. And just the way she treated every person, she had that smile on her face. She signed the book. She was just just brilliant. And you think, well, not only a brilliant athlete, but just a brilliant person. And then 20 minutes later, she's come out, mate, and ran off the back mark and ran nearly, I think it was nearly 50 seconds dead off, you know, on a grass track. And just, you think, how good's this? And then, like you said, that, that was when she had basically just come on the scene as well. And 
nationally made, as you know, she then went on in 2001 won the, the um, gold medal at the Olympics. So, you know, we're lucky. We're lucky. We see some good yeah. athletes. And not, I'm not only talking athletics, mate. We see bike riders are the same. We see some good ones. Some good ones come down here. Yeah, brilliant. I remember the Kathy Freeman run very well. I think that that was my introduction to carnivals, and I was pretty oh, well, mate. pretty well hooked after that. I was like, "Ooh, I want to be part of this." Yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly right, Brian. Yeah, beautiful. And I know that you're pretty good friends with David Downey, and he's actually helped a little bit with the with the um the your training crew. Did you want to touch on that a little bit for yeah, me? Yeah, he has, mate. Dave, Dave, um, come on board and was helping us out with um because I'm sure I've got some middle distance athletes and I had some got some sprinters. And Dave, come on board to help us out. He's doing some work with um, young Tard Singleton, but Dave's just recently taken on a business called, and I'll give it a plug for him, it's called ISO Delivery here in Burnie, and it's just gone crazy, mate. It's, it's full on for him. So he's, you know, doing his day job, and plus he's doing this, and he, so he hasn't really got, had the time to commit. But in saying that, he's, so he's got, um, he's still involved, he's coaching, but he's sort of gone, taken Tard, he's, he's got Tard Singleton, and he's helping Taj out with his sprinting. So he's got Taj, and there's also another runner who's ran the carnivals before called Dave, Dave McRae. So, um, it, look, Dave's still involved in coaching, and I'm pleased he's, you know, he's keeping it going because, like, as we said before, mate, we need coaches. And he's brilliant, Dave Downey. Like, he was just great with his the knowledge. And he's like you and I, mate. He's passionate for the, his passion for the carnivals is probably... He's on a par with ours, mate. He just loves the carnivals. He's, he's won Bernie Gifts and Devonport Gifts. And, and young Singleton, mate, I don't want to put too much pressure on this kid, but he's a, he's a very fine young, fine young sprinter. He's in year, I think he's in year 10 or 11 at, at Marist. And I'm pretty sure he's going to, um, Dave's going to introduce him to the, he'll start the carnivals this year. He'll run the, um, the 120s and the, and the 400s. But a very, but he's, he's only, Taz is a, he's just concentrating on athletics. That's his main gig. Always has been. He's, but he's the same. He's come up through the um, three, two, one, go, the new gen, and now he's um, he won the state all schools at you know Tassie all schools under under sixteen four hundred metres last year in Lonnie, ran 53, So he's he's a he's a very good young kid, mate, and a, and a very right. committed young kid too, Brian. Yeah. So so Dave does it does that. But in saying that, I've just, I've got another, look, I've got a couple of sprinters and a young girl who's just come on board. And another um, sprinter you'd know pretty well is Emma Marshall-Eustace. So, any, and anyone who's been around the carnivals would, would certainly know how good she was. So she's, Emma's going to come on board with us later in the year, say around September. But she's going to work mainly with this young female sprinter we've got to, um, you know, help her out with some block work. And it's funny how it happened. I, through a friend of the family, sort of, I got, got in contact with Emma and, you know, to see if she'd be interested. And she's pretty, very keen to come on board. And look, mate, I, I couldn't think of anyone any better. Like, to, right. and you, you know as well as I do how good she was. She was, she was like, yeah. she was coached by Gary Westenbate, but she was, well, you know, we've got Morgan Gaffney now, who's our, our top, you know, our top spinner here in Tassie. Emma, Emma and um, Melissa Kay were on a par back then in the mid-90s. You know, Emma winning two Bernie gifts, uh, two Devonport gifts, 
And that's how it made, I reckon she was, she's, as well as a heap of other races. And to this day, mate, and I know it's a big call, I, I, and I've seen a lot of Emma running, and when she was at her best, and she was not only a, a good sprinter over 120, she was, she was a very handy over 400 metres as well, so brilliant. But, and like I said, I know it's a big call, but I, I reckon back when they were both, at, when she was at her best and Melissa Kay were at their best, I still, I would have loved to have seen them both go to the mainland, both go to Melbourne, and probably, you know, could we all have different things going on in our lives, mate. We can't all yeah. do it. But, and uh, and um, I still reckon those two girls, they were, they quite easily could have represented Australia. Like that's that's how good they both were. Just on, like you can do it here in Tassie, but I just reckon to, to get over there and to get with a big group where every night you're turning up and you're competing against, especially in the sprinting sprinting game, to, to do some do some work with some say another four or five quality sprinters. I just I just reckon they could have found a bit more. Like they were they were brilliant both of them, but I just reckon they could have went to another level to having been involved with um with yeah like another a bigger group. But like yeah. I said, we've got you know Morgan Gaffney here. She's she's brilliant as well, and and I take my hat off to. You know, Ricky Clark, Rick who coaches her, he's he's done an amazing job and I still don't reckon we've seen the best of Morgan yet. She's just the the improvement she's made in the last like you know, and I ran I run into Rick every year at the Christmas carnivals and we all and actually all we talk about is athletics and yeah. you know, he was telling me when Morgan started, he said, you know, a lot of people think she's just got out of bed one morning and all of a sudden she can run this quick. It's just been a, a progression over I think he said seven years Morgan's been with him. Now every year they've set targets and every year she's progressed. And yeah, look, I take my hat off to them both. Just the work that he Rick's done and, and Morgan, just brilliant. And I just yeah. like I said, I, I still don't reckon we've seen the best of it yet. And that's the thing, um, distance running, sprinting, it's such a patient person sport. I, Rome that is, Rome wasn't built in a day and what people see in that no, five five year period is years in the making. That, that, that's exactly right, mate. And as you know, the, the running game, it, it teaches you about patience because, like you said, you know, it doesn't just happen. You don't just, you don't just come out and run a 2.30 marathon or you don't just come nah. out and run two, <laughs> You know, do you? And you know that, mate. You don't just come out and run, you know, run a fourth, you know, a 3.50, 1500 or what. It just, it's that progression from, you know, where the 13, 14 age group just going up. And each year you get older, as you know, each year stronger. you get stronger. And yeah. you've, got to, you've, you've got to be patient. And as a coach, that's what we've got to put across to the athlete. It's not about going out every session or and expecting to run a PB or expecting to, to win a race. It's about that progression and just take being patient and, the, and just realising that, look, you're going to have setbacks. That, that's sport. It's not only sport, that's life in general. There's times when you're going to get kicked in it you know, kicked in the guts, as I say. But there's times when, as I said, it's not, what's the old saying, mate? It's not the, it's not the not getting knocked down that matters or it's how you respond when you get back up, you know? So exactly right. You know, you've got to, you can, you take the easy option and say, oh, bugger this, this is too hard. And, but that, to me, that's, that's not an option. You've, you've got to um, be willing to, yeah, be, be resilient and keep going until you, until you achieve what you want to do. Get, you know, get something out of it. Yeah. Great, great points. Um, now we're on this, actually. What are some training points that you'd like to um, 
tell the listeners today that that's really important to you or to anyone joining this sport or even being out for quite a while? Oh, look, oh, look, the main, the, the main things, mate, I stress as a coach to any athlete is you, you've got to enjoy what you do. You've got to, in, no matter what sport you're in, you've got to enjoy the training, the environment. You've, you know, I, I had a young athlete start with me a bit over 12 months ago now, and she, she'd been doing a bit of running, but she'd ha- she was going through a stage where she wasn't really enjoying it. And, and, and I, observed it and I thought at the time I just watched her I thought this kid's not you know she's probably not doesn't look like she's enjoying things and and I remember that and I and I hadn't actually met her at the time until she came up I knew of her she's a fine young kid she's the same she plays another sport and I remember the first night she came up the train and she was there with her dad brought her up and she got out of the car at Hillier College and after I introduced myself one and she still she'll remember it now and bring it up one of the first things I said to her I said listen I introduced myself and I said, listen, I'll tell you one of the main things. I said, I don't, I'm not interested in what time we run for 1500. And so I'm not interested in what time you run for five kilometers. I said, I'll tell you what I'm interested in. I said, I want you to come up here and start enjoying your sport. Start enjoying your training and enjoying what you're doing. I said, when, when, when that starts to happen, I said, everything else will fall into place. And you know, the kid hasn't missed a beat. She, but she was one of those kids that used to put a lot of pressure, a bit of pressure on herself. She was one who, and not, not alone, she, she had this thing the same. Once she, she had this thing every time she went out on the track, she was probably going to win or she was going to run a place or she was going to run a PV. And so all of a sudden you have that pressure that builds up on a young athlete. They have these expectations and, and it's probably harmful also when they have, it, get this, they have success at a real young age. So all of a sudden they have this, everyone has this expectation of them that they're, oh, every time they go out to run, watch this young kid or, so that a lot of pressure all of a sudden starts to build up. So you've got to, like I said, and I said, you just got to forget all about that. Let's just don't worry about times. Just come and she's, she, this kid's just come on in leaps and bounds. She, she hasn't missed a beta train. She, in fact, the, the only issue I have with the beta is <laughs> telling her to get her to have a day off now because yeah. she wants to train us, you know, and I've really got to shut her down. I remember going back here last year, she had her um, school play was going on, a big production at school. And I know that's pretty full on with the kids at school because it's every night they're out for a couple of weeks. And I said to her this week leading up to the school production, it was on the Monday and the school production was on the two nights down here town. I said, listen, I said, you're not training the Thursday and Friday. I said, I said, you're not coming. She said, what? She said, oh yeah, I'm still coming and train. I said, no, you won't. <laughs> I, said, if, I said, if you turn up, I said, I'm going to send you home. I said, you've got to have a night, some nights off. So that, she just wanted to train, but she's just a great young kid, mate. She, and I can just see it now. I can, I can watch her train and you can just see how she's enjoying it. It's not the, the training's good, but it's also the company, the group we have. So she's totally changed. But like I said, yeah, you've got to, you've got to enjoy it. And as you know, mate, you spend a lot of time training. So you've got to, you, you've got to try and enjoy what, well, enjoy what you do, enjoy the training, enjoy the racing and enjoy the people you meet along the way. Yeah, great. Great points. So like I know me personally, um, I still love the sport, but I needed a break for it for a while. So I'm not running at the moment and yeah. wasn't the fact I wasn't enjoying it. I just knew that I had to step away for a while and it's exactly. something that I can always come back to. Exactly, Brian, you can. I, I was the same, mate. I had, right, I had six or seven years, Brian, from when I started, you know, started to coach, you know, from a 15 year old, I had five or six years every year, coastal carnivals. And I was, and you know yourself as an athlete, 
you get to a stage where you think, and I remember going out one year to start the, the, the training for the track season. And I remember going to the track this night and um, I remember thinking, oh, my heart just wasn't in it. So I said to my coach at the time, I said, listen, I, I don't think I'm going to, I just want to need a break. And, and he, he could see what was going He said, I think you need a break. So I was the same, Brian. I just had a, and what I did that year, I stepped away from the running and I, but I still kept, I still kept myself fit. So I got into doing a few duathlons. I got into running but, and riding a bike. And I, so I did a winter, mate, where I, I ran and did it. And back then we used to have a few duathlons going around the coast. Every month they'd have one. So I, I still did a bit of running, road running, but then I rode, got on a bike. And I, mate, for me, it was one of the best things ever. So I had a total nearly six or eight months away where I wasn't doing any, well, I was still running for the duathlons, but riding a bike. And then the next year, mate, I got back into track again. And I, it was just the best thing I ever had because you know yourself, it just mentally, it, you just get stale. And no, you can't, you, you can't really predict it. You just know yourself when you're getting there. And it's like, it's probably like when, you, when you've done a lot, you do a lot of Ks training for a marathon. And then after that, you think, I just need a break. You just need yeah. to get away and not, not think about running or not worry about having to train tonight. It's just mentally, it's just refreshing to have a break. It is, yeah. And we're pushed for time, mate. But yep. um, just closing out today, um, I've appreciated your time so much and it's been so great to hear some of your wise words, mate. Um, but what are some, some values or some mantras that you live by? Oh, mate, I, I, I just think you've got to be, um, uh, look, you've got to be honest all the time, honest with yourself, honest with your athletes. Um, and your athletes, and that's for an athlete, they've, um, you've got to be, young kids have got to learn to be resilient, just learn to be resilient and hang tough. But, yeah, look, mate, that's me. But just, just on... On, on you too, mate. I, I pre, like I said before, I touched on this. I, the, the work you're doing, it's about all us coaches all coming together. We're all, sometimes I think we get in our own little click and, you know, you, you're trying to run and you know and such and such to know what they're doing. But we've, we've got to come to time with all coaches. But I like to get them get, get all together and we work together as a group. And what, what you're doing, mate, over there in Devonport with your, your coaching, it's just brilliant, mate. I, I really Thank you, mate. you're doing a you're doing a brilliant job because like and you know as much as well as I do, we need we need coaches and the work you're doing to promote to promote our sport of athletics, you know, whether it's track whether it's on the track or um, cross country road or whatever, it's just brilliant, mate. So just yeah, you'll just keep keep doing what you're doing. Great. Awesome. Awesome words, and I appreciate your time so much tonight, Leah. And, and I think that collaboration, like I said, with our other coaches, is we work together, becomes a better unit, get the sport going, and, and people hearing about how good it is, because we know how good it is as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for your time tonight, Leon. You've been fantastic. And I'm sure that I'd need to get you back on because I reckon we could talk running all night long. <laughs> yeah, I reckon we probably need a couple of hours, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, Brian, definitely. Thank, thanks for your time, mate. Appreciate it. No worries at all. Thank you, mate. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Leon Saltmarsh and this has been the Everyday Lions podcast and I'm your host, Brian. Thank you, guys.
Ladies and gentlemen, that was Leon Saltmarsh. This episode was recorded last Sunday and I haven't edited at all. So it's what you're hearing is what they heard on Facebook Live last Sunday. If you enjoyed the podcast, please reach out to Leon. I think that you would agree that he's a really intelligent guy and knows so much about running and has a lot of wisdom in his words. Uh, yeah, if you're looking for some running coaching, please consider Everyday Lions. Uh, you can find out more information at www.everydaylions.org. And if you could please leave us a ratings on iTunes, we will go up in our little subject of sport and more people will find out about the podcast. I have been your host, Brian Lyons. This is the Everyday Lions podcast, and happy running.